Hello, everyone, and welcome to Valley Strange. Today, we're going to be talking about a book of the strange, and that is going to be The Mothman Prophecies that it was written by John Keel in 1975. Anybody heard or read this book prior to us doing it for this episode? Definitely nope. heard of, but it's for me, it was one of those dealios where maybe I'm kind of uh, not on uh richard gears nuts as uh <laughs> john keel is but you know just seeing that kind of went and eh, there's a lot of people in richard gears nuts. looks looks dumb you know just just it felt like a dumb premise or whatever and i was like eh, whatever um but you know encountered you know mothman-esque stories and stuff you know going into the strange in general but never directly fucked with this stuff um <laughs> And uh, I'm glad and not glad I did, if that makes any sense, you know, because, well, we'll get into it, I guess, but it's just, this book kind of goes all over the fucking place. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, just out of, I guess, morbid curiosity or <laughs> whatever, but I sat down and tried to just log every instance of something strange that keel brought up i got to about page 45 and i was like this is a fucking fruitless endeavor like this is just <laughs> well i know in our my outline here i suggested um that we kind of count how many encounters there were or and at that point i kind of just stopped too mm. i was like i'm not gonna just count every yeah because mostly I, I just rocked like like okay oh here's an mib reference here's yeah. a ufo reference yeah. here's yeah. a actual Dex mothman or reference or whatever but then he also gets into early, early in the book talking about like some ancient civilization stuff yeah. matters, uh, topic stuff. And I was just like, where are you going with this, dude? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, Roland, any um, previous? I mean, other than uh, <clears throat> the um, popular media, no, not really. Um, never tried reading anything about it. And uh, I have no idea who John Keel is before you guys mentioned him. Uh, I was mostly just interested to hear about it. Granted, there isn't not that there's a whole you know I don't think there's a whole lot. I I imagine the the backstory around the people doing the sightings and the, that are involved in the um, phenomenon are more interest. Well, I guess yeah, it would be more interesting than than the Mothman itself kind of thing. But because I don't think it's real, so you know. <laughs> Yeah, you well, don't right think the you bed, know huh? it's real. <laughs> that's that, so, that, that, uh, that note of the bone sort of thing. I was trying to find this image on Reddit I'd found not too long ago off of r slash cool guides. I think I told you about it. Or I'm not sure. But somebody had drawn like a bunch of North American cryptids as far as, you know, the ones they know about or are I guess put making it in that list and uh oh so you're admitting to their existence then. I thought it was amusing a lot of them were like <laughs> you know t t either short and hairy or tall and hairy or some combination of uh, seemingly duende-esque you know yeah exactly very duende-esque um the and, one uh, yeah. one thing I did uh kind of have a bit of comparison to like whenever they described the mothman oh. in which we'll get into what the mothman is necessarily uh, one of the characteristics was a six to like eight foot figure, correct, with like a ten, ten foot, foot wingspan. wingspan. Mm -hmm. And the first and thing that came to mind was, foot. yeah, five foot ball sack. Yeah, there we yeah. go. 
five, uh, <laughs> 50 pound ball sack. <laughs> ball sack wingspan. <laughs> um, I just inflated. Which, it reminded me of Lechisa. Well, I got reminded of the, what was it in the, fuck, I can't remember if it was in the 80s has happened, but there's the infamous like uh, NASA gargoyle in Houston. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Where just, it's basically, you know, just a, another big flying humanoid cryptid sort of story. And we'll delve into it a little bit deeper as far as just more cases of this because it's, I mean, know, big flying creatures are yeah. ubiquitous almost right. when you start looking at just, you know, it's more contemporary or folklore or... to even just stuff in the ancient past. I mean, just winged go back to man. looking at shit from Sumeria with some of their gods, you know, their winged beings. And yeah, um, we did, we talked about the cryptids uh, episode. Well, the cryptids episode was couple months ago. Yeah, our Texas script um, episodes, you know, talking about flying that, creatures. That, yeah. that talked a lot about flying creatures. Shit. Yeah. yeah, which um, I guess we're somewhat segueing into one of our talking points here as far as, you know, the geographical and historical, you know, I guess accounts right. of kind of Mothman accounts figures. Accounts and intersections. I because one thing that I found really sure. interesting is particularly listening to the uh, Art Bell episode you dug up, Ray, Ray was a uh, there was that uh, friend of John Keels who was also a paranormal researcher who mm -hmm. called in and noted how Mothman is just what John Keel called it, even though it was part of a bigger phenomenon of flying creatures. Like, and he likened it to, you know, well, the Thunderbird. There was um, a, I, I have it here in the book, Mark, somewhere, but it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily John Keel, but someone said, called it the Mothman, but then he just kind of ran with it. Oh, word. Okay. So, again, it's not necessarily, one specific Mothman creature. There's just like flying, uh, unidentified. Well, one of the things, uh, this other book that I was reading uh, in humanoids called them unidentified oh, aerial humanoids. So, yeah, A U A I's, that's what they were called. Oh, oh and because an actual designation that's throughout, throughout history, there are many flying creatures that people have seen. Yep. I mean, just go back to just. You know, angels, even though like biblical angels look fucking crazy. Like, have y'all ever seen the, you know, kind of an artist uh, representations yeah. of like, yeah. you know, okay, this is what, uh, based on what the Bible has to say about what these guys look like. Like, they look fucking like Horrifying. crazy. Like, if they had tentacles, they'd be Lovecraftian horrors. Yeah. Like, it, it's fucking cool. Um, and, <laughs> um, but in relation to the Mothman, um, this is also from the Art Bell coverage uh but where people have likened you know mothman to they say like oh it's ain't they're angels or whatever yeah but what was hilarious during that the whole episode because it kept coming up and up up so fucking often where our bells is like if you got red eyes it's not an angel <laughs> like, <laughs> and that he goes because he had like a uh, he has like a fear of, yeah he's uh, freaked eyes. out by things with red eyes yeah. yeah so like and he mentioned that a few times dude, in that it was interview. it just kept coming up and up like you know, before the interview, like, because he was, you know, taking the calls and stuff, you know, yeah. and people were like, oh, I'm really excited you're going to talk to John Keel about the Mothman. And uh, there was a part of me that, <laughs> regarding that interview of uh, Art Bell, really hammering the point that I don't know anything about Mothman. I was like, yeah. I, I was like, you're in this field. Are you going to fucking tell me at this point? I guess this was in the 90s. 
that you uh, don't know. Any... 2002 is when that interview oh, was. There gone. you go. I'm like, yeah. you don't know anything about the Mothman, and he's like. I, I don't know anything about the Mothman. Yeah, and it's <laughs> really crazy how I've been doing this for years and years and engaged in the paranormal, and uh, Mothman's never come up. And it's like, I'm just like, okay. Uh, yeah, like, I get it. Okay, you should have said I think that, that was time. just his excuse for not reading the fucking book before interviewing. <laughs> 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 like, <laughs> that was is, this, is this the book about that monster with red eyes? I ain't reading it. Yeah, I ain't reading that because angels don't have red eyes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it does. Raccoons. Got rabies. They have uh, blue flamey eyes and stuff like that. Okay. But any other like characteristics of the Mothman, um, even uh, according to the book and the way people describe this creature that they would see flying around. Again, red eyes was always the thing. Huge wingspan. Um, huge wingspan, and tall. tall. Um, but the one thing about this book that is somewhat fascinating, but also. I'm not exactly sure why it's titled The Mothman Prophecies. I'm probably yeah. sure that's like necessarily to get uh, people to actually read it, but it's majority UFO type of encounters. Yeah. And, and, and as well as like uh, Men in Black. Uh, yeah. So like, I, I think that this would have been better titled like The Incidents at Point Pleasant or yeah, whatever. Exactly, yeah. It's like something to that because really Mothman is a very small section of this and the prophecy section is a very small bit of it yeah. because. The, the prophecies were more tied to just weird phenomenon going yeah. on rather than like Mothman being a part of it. It's like mm-hmm. I, I, I really, like, particularly after getting through this book a few times, just did not understand why it was the Mothman prophecies. You know, it yeah. was just because. I mean, it sounds cooler realistically, but. It, it sounds awesome, but, but I mean, but there's so many fucking, you know, books on the paranormal out there that have relatively boring fucking titles right. but they're fascinating but they're actually accurate to what's going on because because there there is a section of this book where there is a bit of like prophecy going on because apparently John Keel was getting weird calls that were doing predictions of like you know MLK is going to get shot that's one thing i, you know, I thought the pope that was is going to be they're going to try kinda, to assassinate him i laughed a bit whenever he said that he was getting calls and that he had information that Martin Luther King was going to get killed. And I was just like, yeah. that's, he's really putting his, whatever is going on in his life to like a really critical status. Yeah. And, and that's the point I want, I definitely wanted to bring up in this episode. I guess we'll do it. I'll just get into it now, but it's just funny how Keel always tries to play off that. He's just this, you know, kind of humble observer. Yeah. yeah. And he's not a hero, but then there's all this shit that he talks about, like in his you know, investigations into Point Pleasant, where he's like, "I grabbed my flashlight and went in alone, and even though I was <laughs> terrified <laughs> as shit, you know, like, but I'm no hero. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a total badass. You know, that's just, all. A humble, humble badass. Well, I put you, my you know, pants like, on uh, one leg at a time, one awesome leg at a time. A lot of the things that he talks Jeez. about in the book, uh, that's fucking funny. They're pretty much record accounts that someone else is telling them. So, like, I guess, I guess they're consider first-hand accounts, but there's a point towards the end of the book where he finally, like, oh, no, right. he finally goes out and he said he goes, like, with a flashlight and with that other lady, I think, Mary... Mary Hire, yeah. Uh, they go out and they're literally just standing there and they're like, well, do you see that? Are those what they, they might be? Like, nothing really happens. They're just saying, I see something. Yeah. And then that's it. Well, and there's also, like, the, you know, because it's this weird thing where it's it's it feels like 
although he's trying to play off this humble observer, there's all this is weird shit happening just to him, you know? Yeah, yeah. But like all the weird phone calls and stuff and how he goes and plays super phone line detector, you know, like going through to look and see if any lines have been tampered with in his mm-hmm. apartment building and shit. And, you know, he's like, it was a nest of wires, but, you know, I figured it out because... Uh, you know, <laughs> I, the humble observer, observer, not hero, mind you. Um, but it's just weird because if you just totally suspend belief in his narrative, it's like these are the ramblings of like a paranoid schizophrenic. <laughs> They're like receiving these weird phone calls or predicting right. crazy things or having phone calls that are that are claim or and messages that show up that are supposed to be from like one person, but then you talk to that person and they're like, Oh, I never called you or whatever. Right. Right. It's just, so if you just, just take that, like, just go like, Oh, this is absolute bullshit. And then go, maybe this guy has some sort of weird pathos going on. (laughs) Like it it kind of like really puts a unique lens on this book, but you know, there's a lot of things in here where he kind of brushes over, which kind of makes a lot of the things that he's claiming. Well, he's not, I feel like he's not even necessarily claiming anything. Well, excuse me, like he's making claims, but he's putting some underlying thing where he's not necessarily taking accountability for what he's claiming. Right. Uh, regarding the fact that like, well, yeah, maybe that like, uh, oh, someone called, but he wasn't, he wasn't too sure. But there was a, a situation where he mentions that there was a lot of underlying illness going on with certain people yeah, that had these uh, experiences. But I don't really see him further going into that because I'm like, so is some there's some sort of like mental illness, tumor playing a role in, like, in the fact that people are seeing these, having these hallucinations, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, or is it just like mass hysteria? You know, yeah, like he yeah. doesn't really get into that. And you would think with all the hours he logged, you know, in the Point Pleasant era, area, and he talked about how he's got, like in the Art Bell interview, he talked about, hey, he's, interviewed you know dozens upon dozens of people and has all this cool stuff but then we just get a fraction of that in the mothman prophecies and so i don't know if that was he was just trying to save space you know and try to make it a a tighter read but it could have been a more fascinating read to go instead of just having it's essentially apart from his direct experiences along with uh mary Heyer and maybe some other folks um it would have been really cool to get more of the, just the accounts that he encountered versus just the like four or five, you know, groups of folks that he talks about in this book. Yeah. Like the set of like four teenagers that were the initial, you know, ciders of mm-hmm. the Mothman and that kicked this whole thing off. Um, Cause, and I wish he talked about this story in the book, but he talked about it with Art Bell because uh, he was, Nearby, he talked about how he was nearby researching a story or whatever, <clears throat> but he didn't talk about what the story was to my recollection in the book. But there was the the cat bird that was yeah yeah. Well, I, I know he in, in the book he does mention that he was like he just, was investigating somewhere else. Yeah, but, he was he was just he just happened to show up like in this area and this all this stuff was happening, so he like stayed and started investigating. Yeah, but um, it, it's funny because um, I was also watch I've, I've been watching the movie too. I've watched it a few times. Because uh, we are going to talk about that at some point. Um, I've been as watching a, a Strange long, long time. crossover. Um, I like how they, in here, he kind of just, it just so happened that he comes across this town and all these things because he's investigating some weird-ass cat bird shit. 
but in the movie, it's very dramatic how he ends up in Point Pleasant and stuff. Like it's <laughs> it's uh, it's almost like a divine um, hmm. thing. Oh, divine, divine intervention. Thing. Yeah, a divine <laughs> intervention. That's um, gravit. He's gravitating towards Point Pleasant. He's being called down but again. We'll get into more detail whenever that does uh, come across. But uh, I just thought it's funny. Oh, that's gonna be fucking hilarious. Well, yeah, because you know how. But again, not a hero. We, we do. Right? Yes. Well, that's the thing. He, he talks about not being a hero, but in the movie, he'd be the hero. <laughs> he's uh, right, he's well, not he's Jesus. Thing. He's Jesus' left hand. But we could say it's Richard Gere that's going to have to like push that because like, you can't just have Richard Gere just being somewhere. He has to do something. He has to be a man. He's fucking the officer and a gentleman for fuck's sake. <laughs> he's a fucking American gigolo. You can't just have him be there. <laughs> so um, some of the background on John Keel, he apparently was a UFO uh, ufologist mm. uh, before all this. Yeah, um, that was... One thing, you know, like I didn't do my normal just kind of deep dive on into <clears throat> wikis and shit too much about like John Keel's background, but yeah. it's amazing. Like it's truly amazing that he was like 14, 15 years old and he was already like submitting stories to mm. various publications and shit. Um, mm. You know, some of them were just, you know, generalist, you know, paranormal papers, but he was also doing stuff like he was writing for Playboy and stuff. Like it was yeah. actually like the... The reason that he got down to the Point Pleasant area is because he was writing for Playboy, and I guess old Hugh just took a cigar out of his mouth for a second and was like, all right, John, I need you to get down to the bottom of this UFO nonsense. <laughs> um, and, and I guess during an interview, Art Bell's like, oh, I guess you didn't uh, solve that for Mr. Hugh. Yeah, and he's like, no, there. I didn't solve the mystery. <laughs> and it's like Art Bell for all the great he did, like, why were you sitting there trolling this guy yeah. that you're sitting there just going like, well, I don't know why we've never talked. And then you go and give him shit. Like, yeah. It's just fucking funny. Well, it's because he doesn't know anything about Mothman. That's oh, I know. <laughs> just in all of his years of the paranormal. Oh, no. Um, so I, uh, I feel that kind of plays into this whole, uh, plays into this whole book and how he approached it because I felt that maybe he was, he just had some UFO information that he just needed to put in there. So like, that again, that fills up a lot of this book, uh, UFO yeah, stuff. Because really, it's you know, Men in Black and weird aerial lights to UFO activity that mm-hmm. is like the main thrust of this book. Where, where the sightings of this you know Mothman dude are a very small part, right? And I don't know in subsequent books that he wrote because he was a pretty prolific writer, to my understanding. You know, if we ever kind of got there to f- more more fully flesh out the Mothman angle of the phenomenon of the paranormal writ large. Right. Um, cause, cause it came out in the, our bell art article and a little bit in here, but then also I've read some Jack Volet. So like that's informing my just kind of summarization of it a little bit, but where, um, all of these, you know, UFO and paranormal ghosts, you know, just all that shit. It's all interrelated mm. in the mind of John Keel as of 2002. But right. I just don't know where, if he got there in writing. Because, um, you know, he did talk about, you know, in, in other books that were also brought up in this interview about how he got into the, the concept of uh, Windows um, basically into the other realm where the spooky wookie comes out right. and UFOs, ghosts, all that shit's a part of it. But if it's a, but to my understanding from the description, it's like 
kind of like if the window is just cracked, then you get like UFO stuff. But when the window gets like really opened up, that's when you start getting, you know, all the cryptids and shit and there's super high degrees of high strangeness going on in places. Um, Again, all just theoretical. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and um, he uh, did he mention uh, to uh, conduct the map of ley lines while he was at it? Just asking for a friend. Asking for a friend. You know, but I, I really don't know how. <laughs> You know, at, like the of, at the time of the writing of this book, I'm not sure how big ley lines were because it it feels to me, I may be incorrect because I just I've only read so much of the you know, <clears throat> investigating the paranormal activity and the relation to ley lines, but it feels like that was a relatively recent. I thought that had to do uh, with uh, Eric Von Donegan's uh, Chariots of the Gods, but I don't, I don't remember mm. when that was published, though. Uh, I think it was... 68 or something like that. I mean, I've got a copy on the shelf somewhere. I could look it up, but that sounds like a lot of effort. Yeah, I I don't... I mean, the a lot of these books came out around the same time. I don't know if... Uh, he kind of made any kind of con- uh, connections to something like that. Queens. With uh, whatever the Mothman, whatever was going on in Point Pleasant, because he was investigating for 13 months. Yeah. Uh, until like the... The eventual event that he kind of connected all these things to was the collapsing of the Silver Bridge. Yeah, because that was another one of the quote-unquote Mothman prophecies that he got right. that something bad was going to happen on the Ohio River. And, and, and well, uh, all these like winged creatures uh, in history have uh, kind of been uh, what they've called the harbingers of doom. Yeah. They're yeah. pretty much like bringing like, uh, bad... The banshee. Bad news to people that whoever like witnessed them, you know. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't <laughs> exactly sure what the connection was between the time it started to the time it ended, because I know in in the book they he does mention that people saw a Mothman kind of around the area. Some people did see it before it collapsed. Yeah, but I don't know exactly why people were seeing it up until that point because apparently between the first sighting and the last, uh, the event of the bridge collapse, the sightings of the Mothman just stopped in Point Pleasant. Yeah. And then, but then you also had some other, you know, suspicious things that were going on, particularly with all the MIB activity. Mm -hmm. And then there's the uh, account from some lady who, who lived near the silver bridge who apparently saw Men in flannel coats and oh, their checkered jackets, like climbing up on the yeah, but they were weren't wearing boots. They're apparently wearing fucking Oxfords. <laughs> um, and it's funny that she, I, I was thought that was interesting that she could just see whatever they were wearing. I don't know how far she was necessarily, but she said that they were climbing all over the bridge. Or well, something. but I, but I would assume that you know, um, you know, even if her view wasn't that great because the description was, I saw a couple guys in flannel coats, but the shoes popped out, so she couldn't have been too far away. Right. But they weren't wearing boots. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, John Keel was talking to Art Bell about how kind of like back in the day, the, the FBI kind of had a uniform that they wore. Yeah. Um, and so they would just stick out like a sore thumb because like all of the men in the, the area, the TNT area, wore boots and... So I I guess it's not so shocking to think that, you know, even from a, a distance, 
you can go, wait, those are it's a pair of red those wings. Those are dress shoes. What yeah. the fuck? You know, like that's that's weird. And why that would stick in someone's mind because uh-huh. uh, because it's one of those definite signs of a uh, you ain't round from around here, is you? Yeah. Like, well, the, um, some of the the ways that uh, John Keel uh, talks about certain uh, characters that they see that, or I guess the accounts of people talking to him about how they saw certain people in the certain they have certain like. Uh, characteristics about him yes and he would say like they had like black skin but they weren't negroid <laughs> yeah and right. i was just like <laughs> and at some point like, they had the, angloid features well it's funny you say that because one of the the features that they that one of these people were accounting was that they had the black skin and they had pointy nose and like a pointy, pointy chin chin so i was like I know at the time, like they—that's just the way they kind of describe certain things. But uh, I was—I <laughs> was just thinking about it on the way over here. I was like, uh, "Where is like West Virginia standing? Like most racist states in America?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just really quick. <laughs> Top um, ten most racist. Number one, West Virginia. Striking, <laughs> actually, Point Pleasant. Shit. <clears throat> um, so I mean, as far as like other characteristics of like uh the mothman and stuff do you know anything else about this character role nope i uh pretty much have always understood him like the way i've always i've looked at the mothman uh is that um it sort of represents like the generalized template for humanoid sort of winged cryptids in uh north america you know, surprisingly, that it's more recent that that the Mothman mm-hmm. characterized as it is, but like we said, I said before, throughout history and throughout every culture, they all have some sort of. I would go creature. so far to even say like it's more generalized than the standard definition or whatever. It always has the red eyes and the wings. I've because I mean, you see, I've seen some with yellow yeah, or red, <laughs> red accounts and descriptions of 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 winged humanoids. You know, with the yellow eyes mm-hmm. or that have like the uh, <clears throat> gray shaped you know uh, faces, as in you know uh, alien grays and. Yeah, but what's what's interesting though is that sometimes they got bat wings. Sometimes they got. Because so with like with Mothman, it's. Uh, Faces are not tall. really ever described because you, you know, never see them. It's the, always the piercing it? red eyes right. thing, you know, mm-hmm. which which is fine, but mm-hmm. but you know, there's like the account of the dude who was allegedly picked up and carried for like ten feet by a Mothman-like creature, but but I don't remember if that was at night or during the day or whatever. But right. we never get uh, a good glimpse of those. Yeah, I, but I mean, I would assume at night. That's when I I, I kind of say that. I think or most, dusk. I think actually. most of them happen around the evening. Yeah, and it's not sun around sunset. A lot of the accounts that Late night that are recorded in this book end with someone seeing it. Either they're being chased in a car or chased in some way, <clears throat> and right. then at some point it just shoots straight up, yep. and disappears. And that sounds very much like the Jeepers Creepers monster to me. Like we talked mm. about in our cryptids episode, like the uh, <sighs> the flying humanoids in Houston and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, so or, the one thing he does mention is that, like, after this incident, the sightings pretty much stopped in Point Pleasant. But obviously the quote-unquote Mothman has been seen 
throughout the rest of the world. But at oh, least yeah. that's the way they categorize him now as opposed to like whatever the culture is at that particular time. And they categorize it however they, from their own perspective and stuff like that. Yeah, but, but then some thing of the flying creatures stuff, um, the daytime accounts, um, they'll generally describe it as like a fucking pterodactyl. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, who knows? I mean, like, it's... <clears throat> our best guess of what a pterodactyl is. Yeah. Well, I mean, we got bones and stuff Skin, and go like, skinless. okay, kind of looks like that. You know? No feathers. I like some of the newer ideas that they might have had feathers. That's that kind of stuff. That's, I don't know. But anyway, I guess back to this fucking book. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that. <clears throat> so we did talk about the fact that the main event that occurs in this book is the bridge collapse. Afterwards, they found that there was like pretty much, it was like the metal was Yeah, there was a, uh, I read into this, but it's been a while, so details are a little fuzzy, but it's there was some critical piece of the bridge that became unstable mm -hmm. that unless you, at least according to the shit I read, unless you actually send some like bridge engineers in there to inspect it like thoroughly, it's not something you could just see, you know, from a, a profile shot of the bridge or right. whatever. Like it would have needed some detailed surveying to find this weak point or maybe some so, uh consistent maintenance what the, exactly you know. was it that caused the well bridge bridges in the united uh, states are like it's just oh, we build them and then wait for them to collapse and then we'll shit. fucking fix it so like yeah. uh yeah. what was it that caused this bridge to collapse i don't remember no there were there was um it was like some kind of faulty thing there was a the fault bridge. in yeah. the bridge okay. that unless it was like actually like really looked at from yeah I had to like get into like the workings of the bridge somewhere. But, I can't remember exactly. But the what. thing is that it was the traffic that was on there was like heavy traffic for I guess because yeah. close to Christmas times. Yeah, because uh, the bridge class was December fifteenth. Yeah, so, so like there's like heavy traffic going from one uh, place to the other, and it wasn't meant to hold that much yeah, weight on it allegedly. So and that's why <clears throat> it collapsed and forty six people died. I thought it was forty seven, but yeah, forty six, forty six, forty seven, something like that. So, yeah, people died. I would have like yeah, uh, close a, enough a George Costanza button. That's no tragedy. <laughs> and it's but it's interesting though because getting back to the quote unquote prophecies end of the mm. or angle of the book, uh, Mary Heyer, who was uh, I can't exact, remember exactly what she did. Like I think she, she, she was, was like a reporter the, also. What's up? I think she was a reporter also. Yeah, I think she was like the a reporter for the local paper or whatever the yeah. fuck. But evidently she had a dream. Which, once again, more info on the interview process and actual investigations of this phenomenon that could have made this book about twice as thick, but it would have been more satisfying to make these links. But, you know, Keel reports that Mary had dreams of, you know, Christmas packages like floating mm -hmm. in the Ohio River. Yeah, that's true. But it, but, that apparently haunted her, but it's not really clear when exactly this happened to my recollection, mm -hmm. you know, cause that just sounds like something kind of fun just to throw in like, Oh yeah, I did this dream and you um, know, prophecy. Let's put that in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this chick's crazy. But when was this, <clears throat> when was this dream? Was this dream actually something that occurred beforehand that would tie into a, like a prophetic vision or is this a, Kind of like a, almost a PTSD thing where, you know, yeah. 
she's having it because of where yeah or where not that she's necessarily having the dreams afterwards but she had a dream about a river that something else happened or whatever yeah. but just you know filling in the gaps of like real life versus dream logic it was like oh yeah it must have been like that dream about this you know yeah well i mean we can only assume that uh john keel is being forthright with the way he's writing these yes. things because i mean he, the, all that <clears throat> shit could have been added in later to, for just for effect you know um there were some instances that i thought uh there, there's a character in here called injured cold yes and uh, that person or that people have had encounters and phone calls and all these kinds of things with this person who are like they've even take, taken him up in a spaceship and uh there was a point where someone's like recounting them going on a spaceship but they said it was like really um i want to say it got basic like it was just there wasn't anything spectacular about this uh, spaceship that they went on well yeah and then you know they get to the planet or whatever and there's like nude people there yeah and nude people <laughs> and it's like hyper civilized and it's like which i just go okay we're right in the i guess the waning heyday of the hippie movements yeah and how does that play into the interpretation of this, uh, you know, alleged UFO travel experience? See, I was just thinking that maybe some hippie gave this guy LSD. They got on the bus and then drove to like a nudist colony and just, <laughs> <laughs> and just got there. Because I mean, yeah, because I mean, chilling. LSD was big at the time too, so I mean, maybe he got slipped something and went on a little trip and thought he was in a ufo or something. yeah or it was part of a cia op because i mean like ah. it, no it, well, the, well the mib are all there too so i mean like oh there's all these like figures that are coming through and they're all very suspicious like who knows what they're yeah, because uh, i mean like i can't remember when nk ultra closed but i'm sure there's been plenty of projects along there but during yeah. the mp ultra days i mean you had cia ops operatives that were basically dosing people with LSD and shit like yeah. at like social gatherings and stuff mm -hmm. just see what would happen mm -hmm. like it's it's fucking wild and good times <laughs> yeah right <clears throat> so uh, I think they I think those are called the uh, uh, employee perks well I mean there's a guy that benefits killed himself over the over these experiments because he was basically getting dosed without his knowledge and he was like losing his mind mm -hmm. but, too much yeah. of a good thing that's a tragic. But the CIA, I guess we'll get to uh, further in some future uh, iteration of this show. But because <laughs> uh, crafts, we know what you did, right? Did done doing currently. There, there we go. <laughs> uh, but anyways, I'm just going through some of the points here that we were going to talk about this book. So we, yep. Oh, uh, the the one thing was there anyone attacked? I'm trying to remember in this book was there anyone attacked or injured by? An encounter with the Mothman. Um, no, I think that's a no, right? Yeah, that's a no. Yeah, the the closest thing to an attack or whatever, and it didn't even happen in the Point Pleasant area, but it was, uh, yeah, was the guy got picked so up. The guy got picked was, up uh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah but that was gonna be like someplace else. But but from my recollection and so forth, which is probably trash. Um, I don't remember anyone. I remember people getting spooked out right. of their wits. But, but see, that's that's the thing is that like most of these accounts are just people getting spooked. Um, right. and I, and I, I've made comments about this whenever talking about like people who've seen like the Lachusa mm -hmm. or a Duende or something, it's just them getting spooked. Like they've never really attacked them specifically. 
or has their lives haven't been <laughs> just see, in critical danger. They just see it immediately. Get him. Yeah, Jump you know, like some shit. I fucking doing it. Turn on the lights. So that's where like any of these accounts where they, someone's had like a specific direct encounter with them, they're pretty much zero. Yeah. So I mean, that's you also I have see. to you have to you have to base all these accounts just on someone's perception on something and uh, and you know that is always kind of like sketchy yep you know and then with most cryptids it's it's a dealio of like most people are getting just spooked there's a few instances where people claim they've been like captured by bigfoot or whatever yeah. or taken to into a fairy mound and had lost time or whatever but you know aliens are really the only ones that have like violence in mind even though it's you know medical experiments or whatever or just you know taking samples or whatever right. but that's where it seems to be the damage oh i guess um thinking about aftermaths of cryptid sightings or whatever there are folks that reported basically like the conjunctivitis and like the kind of like the sunburns and shit after mm-hmm. witnessing a some of these lights or the Mothman or whatever. The one thing that uh, John Keel does, uh, I don't recall if it's in the book or I also did hear him say it on the Art Bell interview, was that uh, the Mothman he considers like ultra dimensional. Yeah, which I it's don't believe new. he got into in this book. Um, but I think it's just something he kind of decided on later at some point and just kind of just went, oh, that's what I've always thought. Um, <laughs> what was that phrase? It sort of reminds me of it sounds like, uh, was it ultra terrestrial or ultra? Yeah, yeah the ultra terrestrials, yeah. yeah. That's what I was yeah, trying the, to think of. It's not. Though that, that's like. Um, it's a different characterization they're pretty much, uh, for all extra. Existing and, on the same plane, but in different frequencies. Right, or yes. right. So. Okay. Yeah, the, the energy levels. Which brings us back to David Icke, <laughs> talking about you know the fourth dimension or whatever, uh, yeah. and Tom DeLonge. That's right. Oh yeah, now Tom DeLonge's <laughs> on that train. Uh, we have the Bigfoot Gray uh, <laughs> connection. That's right. It's all coming together, folks. Thanks to Blink One Eighty Two. Since uh, Roland, you didn't read it necessarily, but I mean, there's plenty of information about the Mothman, or not even really yeah. that much, but there's well, information about the Mothman on the internet. The same stuff. It's- I said it wasn't necessarily required to read because all this book really is no, just a bunch of different are, accounts exactly about people seeing and, the mothman uh, and then on mean, the internet it's it's just more of the same only it's internet and social media first-hand accounts so at least yeah at least this is a book do you <laughs> do you think there's anything oh well i guess daniel was there anything that you have maybe learned from this book that you didn't know before or that other than maybe just something like, like other than just like detail you. specifics, I I I'm gonna go off and say like no for myself because yeah. I feel like I've been inundated with this kind of information sure. pretty much since I was a kid. Like trying to figure, even watching the movie too. Like yeah, you go online, you go even go to the library and stuff like that. Uh, you can find some certain things, but I don't think there was anything new that I grasped from this book. Other than it, I will say it was an entertaining read personally no highly entertaining um but as far as new information not really but it was neat to see or a few more cases in point of like mib interactions with yeah, the public yeah. like that was pretty interesting uh, but it would have been once again cool if 
he just brought in more. And maybe he thought it'd be fucking boring or whatever the fuck. Don't know his motivations, but it'd have been cool to see. Okay, you have you know these five or six cases of like MIB interactions in the Point mm-hmm. Pleasant area, but were there more? Right. Um, even just stuff where not even having direct interactions, but just going like people just looking, seeing a weird car driving down the street, and these guys getting out and walking to the diner to go fuck with mm-hmm. somebody or somebody's house. Like just just flesh that out more because it's because it's always the all right. We had this MIB interaction. And here's how they behaved. But it'd been cool to see more of a outsider perspective of like, because mm-hmm. as John Kilbrob is his uh, interview with uh, Art Bell uh, about how, you know, FBI men stuck out like sore thumbs. Right. Well, bring that up in relation to MIB in this book, because it's a small town. Everyone's fucking talking to each other. Like there has to be more eyes out there that saw these weird dudes. I would I would agree with uh, most of what you're saying there. Just uh, in that, yeah. Uh, but but uh, if I was if if I was gonna throw but a nice thick button there, <laughs> uh, it seems to be the same associations they have with other cryptids. Like you would think you've had more information about Sasquatch or any of those others. I figure, but well, there isn't. Necessarily. I think with with cryptids like that. It's a bit different because usually the sightings are isolated. Okay. Yeah. Like you're out in the woods or whatever, or on a camping trip with a few buddies or whatever. Like that's when this shit gets brought up. But in this town where everyone knows everybody, you know, and there are a bunch of bored fucking miners and oh. farmers, you know, you'd think that, you know, your neighbor, you know, <clears throat> quarter mile are. away or whatever saw a weird vehicle show up around the time that you say this happened yeah. to validate that it actually fucking happened. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, no, absolutely. Uh, you think hard. the fact that they, the, they were in the same town as like an old TNT, was it factory? Yeah. Was factory. Does that have anything to do with whether or not the MIB showed up or this Mothman too? Because I know that, because there, 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 was a sightings, there was a lot of sightings around that TNT factory or whatever. Uh-huh. But I don't ne- think it in the book that it was necessarily played a, a bigger part as far as everyone's sighting. Yeah. Are there chemicals in TNT that may have would have caused some kind of like hallucinations? Oh, maybe. If they were huffing. Um, you know, I, mean, I, I really don't know. Then another thing that got me a little bit excited was when it came to the aerial phenomenon that were going on with the lights and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. where Keel's talking about, you know, there seems to be an intelligence to them. Like I flick my flashlight three times at them and then we'll get three blinks back or whatever. Oh, um, right. Okay. And, but when he was talking to our bell, how once again, there were a shitload of people who allegedly saw these lights, but mm-hmm. then we hear about so little of these, so few of these accounts, mostly from his perspective, yeah. uh, like, or his experiences in this book. Um, they're all scared, to, scared to come forward. They, uh, they know that snitches get stitches. Well, no, it's not that they're scared to come forward. Like John Keel said, he has just, you know, More dozens of fucking yeah. eyewitness inf- uh, accounts. Oh, does he? Yeah. yeah. Of the of this However, one particular phenomenon of lights on the river and in the hillsides and stuff, but so little of that actually just trickles into this book. And mm, okay, so 
So once again, is it, you know, am I a hero that's not admitting that I'm the hero of this story? A hack liar uh, who's... Well, that was another book that... The, the, the book that know. he came out after... That he, I'm sorry, the book that he ask, published after uh, yeah. the Mothman Prophecies was The Eighth Tower, which is one I've heard about as well. Fuck, I've wanted to read that. Though. And yeah. I've been wanting to get my hands on that to see what... <clears throat> I don't know much about it, but I think maybe he continues on with this kind of... Uh, Oh, so this isn't his only uh, oh, no, narrative involving, books, involving the Mothman. Process. I mean, I'll, let me just go down the list here of like some of the books he has. Uh, I think Operation he wrote like 20, 30 books, some little shit like that. Yeah, he's got a shit ton. So let me just uh, read off a few names here. Uh, Operation Trojan Horse, which he was reprinted as Why UFOs. Uh, uh, Strange Creatures from Time and Space in 1970. Um, mm. The Complete Guide to Mysterious Beings, Our Haunted Planet, The Flying Saucer <laughs> Subculture, mm -hmm. wow. 1973. The Mothman Prophecies, 1975, which uh -huh. is probably his biggest... Yeah. Um, and most well-known. Oh, okay. uh, the Eighth Tower, which was also published in 1975. And I'd say that, you know, just from the bit of scouring the internet and stuff and looking up, like, folks that are talking about John Keel's work, uh, The Eighth Tower, I think, is about as cited yeah. as an important work as Mothman Prophecy. Yeah. So I, um, mm. No, pretty much every book after this, or even a little bit before that, I mean, the next one was called Disneyland of the Gods. <laughs> what the fuck that wow. means? Um, and then you got uh, names are pretty Flying Saucer to the Center of Your Mind, oh, The Outer okay. Limits of the Twilight Zone, mm. um, The Great Phonograph in the Sky, The Precious Precipent. You sound like Precipent. Are these are starting to sound like album cover names, Precipient. right? Well, yeah, they kind of do. <laughs> and The Passionate Precipient, Illusions <laughs> I Have Known and Loved. Um, but yeah, those are like pretty much the books that he's done. The, the last one was in 2016. But I think that was just from like gathered writings because he died in 2009. Yeah, I was going to yeah. ask. I thought. Uh... Uh, but a lot of those were just like collections after the fact because uh, mm -hmm. books of his were still coming out 2013 to 2016. But those were just a bunch of like collections that he's had. I guess stuff that was unpublished. Yeah, I was going to. Uh, sort of or maybe if... also just uh, collations of some of the articles he wrote back in the day when he was, you know, writing for all these different... Right, right. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Like, stuff, which is like articles yeah, and stuff, cool. yeah. Which one might be... Yeah, you, it's a lot of... You know, and and I, and I think that John Keel was sincere. I, I really do. I, I think he did. Mm. But I just, just wonder sometimes, though, because as, as sincere as he is... Going back to the I'm not a hero thing, but then yeah, as he writes ask, about his like, experiences in Point yeah, Pleasant, it's like, I would say that him being a writer first, uh, <laughs> as he's trying to get these like gather all these accounts, there's got to be that writer in him that has to kind of like generate some kind of a narrative that is exciting and someone engaging to the whoever's going to read it, you know? Because I mean, if it's just the accounts, and I say this, if you're looking at the accounts of someone telling you the story, like I saw this thing. And that's all they tell you. What are you gonna do? You gotta like spice it up a bit. You can't just mm -hmm. leave it as their own words because most of those people are not storytellers. So you gotta have to kind of embellish those a little bit. Double-headed jet black and breathe fire. Uh, that's why you get like the With Mothman prophecies are a true story because probably it's, it's true. Like these people had to have accounts. The Silver Bridge did collapse, sure. and all these like sightings happen and it was reported nationwide. They tie, they, I know, mean, they find like things to tie into real world events. Actually worldwide, yeah. actually. Worldwide, um, yeah. Yeah, like, it, yeah. like this, the Silver Ridge collapsing was big news at the time, but... Oh, okay. But then as, as much as I like to think of John Keel being sincere and being like a, 
avid, honest, you know, fucking paranormal researcher. Got to go back to old Bill Cooper who called him a fucking CIA op. <laughs> you know, so then you think in that lens, is this, yeah. you know, it's a perfect is this cover. just a misinformation right. like, thing where uh-huh. it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to pretend I'm making these big exposures After, uh, of, like, it uh, might be. Because we have to remember. From the grave, they're Bill still Cooper trying to make the money. Only true. Uh, he's a true patriot, man. Oh. True patriot. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Mm. No, like if you ever check him out, Roland, like his his book is a is a mess, mm. but but there's some interesting shit in there. But but the one thing that makes me laugh every time I think about Bill Cooper because he has this, you know, I'm a I'm a you know red, white, and blue blooded motherfucker, you know, yeah. and I'm yeah. I'm gonna practice my Second Amendment. And, yeah, but he also oh, has this, these moments of paranoia where he talks about like you know how he and his you know family would relocate somewhere and even though they didn't have their address listed anywhere or whatever there'd be like weird vans of businesses that didn't exist showing up and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. folks monitoring their property right yeah and he's like well, i went out with my <laughs> how do i still keep getting drunk to get off my land <laughs> like, yeah that's cool. never mind i never paid my taxes <laughs> yeah <laughs> why do they keep on finding me yeah. uh roland i I was going to get you to read this if you could. Uh, sure. It's basically a small article from Mary Heyer mm. from the Point Pleasant like newspaper and stuff like that. So it's a small article. It's just that right there. So you can give kind of like an accurate uh, or like a realistic. Um, the uh, winged red-eyed. Right here in the middle. Yeah. That winged red-eyed thing chases point couples across countryside. Um, I think you need a transatlantic. uh Oh, <laughs> I maybe get some of that said. Southern Bell going. Uh, no, no. Oh, transatlantic my, my, my. Southern Bell just sounds oh. fucking. That sounds difficult. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I might, Does I might that accent exist? <laughs> yeah, I might not. Winger, red-eyed thing chases point couples across countryside. Yeah, you can Y'all. sound like a fucking uh, one of those old radio TV shows. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I could do that for this whole article. Uh, all right, it's very short. <laughs> Yeah, you're already half done. (laughs) Yeah, Point Pleasant correspondent. Uh, What stands six feet tall, has wings, two big red eyes, six inches apart, and glides along behind an auto at 100 miles an hour? Fuck if I know. (coughs) No, yeah. Don't know? Well, neither do four Point Pleasant residents who were changed by a weird man-like thing Tuesday night. Two young Mason County married couples today told of being chased by the strange creature around midnight Tuesday. Mr. and Mrs. Steve Mallet. That was a little too heavy. Actually, I was actually going into that. <laughs> nope. <clears throat> uh, keeping it uh, keeping it 100 uh, Atlantic. Trans, transatlantic, whatever. 3505 Jackson Avenue at Mr. and Mrs. Roger Scarberry. 809 and a half 30th Street described their hair-raising experiences, which began in the TNT area. The two couples were riding in a car, and as the auto crested the hill, an object loomed in front of them. That object, the object, was in the form of a man, about six feet tall with wings on his back. Becoming frightened, the couples drove away as they approached a traffic circle near... Route 62, they said the thing loomed in front of their car again. <laughs> uh, 
Mallet 27. <laughs> uh, Do even... Mary hire some justice for fuck's sake. Jesus fuck. Uh, no. Um, where did I leave off? This thing has actually two articles in here. Or two I know, but you just have to like remember remember what it what it was like to read a newspaper. Yeah, tired. And how they formatted <laughs> the sing this shit on the fucking yeah horribly uh, and, and, page. Oh man, actually, I take it back. It's like th- three because it's got these like uh, this little sub sub article. Uh, where I leave off. <laughs> oh, let's just talk about the cakewalk coming up soon. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Mallet twenties. <laughs> they drove toward Point Pleasant on Route sixty two, Route sixty two. Shit. <laughs> Road 62 at 100 miles an hour with the strange creature drifting along behind the car. It keeps it keeps going off in either direction. I like how these people funny. narked themselves out that they were speeding, too. Yeah. Like, I wonder if, like, traffic tickets showed You're up at their addresses. <laughs> yeah, right. Bills in the mail. Sucker. The couple said the thing seemed to avoid lights. When they turned into the C.C. Lewis farm, the creature was again in front of the car. What appeared to be a large dead dog was lying on the road. Later, the couples and police returned to the farm, but the dog had vanished. Deputy Sheriff Millard Halstead searched the TNT area. The deputy said the thing was gone, but he found a strange pile of dust. Skybury 18 said, Believe me, if you ever saw it, you'd be a believer. The men said they might go looking. I know what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> I smell bullshit uh, for the thing tonight, but it indicated they were afraid they might find it. All right. So that is an authentic <coughs> newspaper clipping. Ah, uh, yes, like, always. The Point Pleasant newspaper written by Mary. And- <coughs> Oh, thank God it's almost it was all done already. <laughs> well, was, well uh, that yeah, bad. that would have been expensive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, um, if, if anyone here can appreciate the authentic experience here at MoQuest, it's Ray. Yeah. What happened to John Keel? Of course, he made some more uh, books. He there was a movie made about yeah, starring Richard Gere and uh, the most Democrat of Democrats. Uh, what's the chick from uh, Will and Grace? Oh, Deborah, Deborah Messing, Messing comes out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Laura Linney, who from Congo, if uh, you've all seen Congo. Uh, you mean one of the best movies ever made? Yes, yes, I've seen yes, Congo. that one. Uh, Tim Curry, we all know. Uh, let me see. The people of Point Pleasant, mind you, none, no other sightings happened in the particular town. But what do they have now to commemorate the deaths of 46 to 47 people from the Silver Bridge? But a Mothman festival, yeah. <laughs> the creature yeah. who killed everybody. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was going to give some uh, facts about the Mothman festival. If you're ever so inclined to go to Point in Pleasant. The area. Um, the Mothman festival is an annual gathering that commemorates the mysterious visit of the Mothman in the 1960s and is a great event for all ages. It is held annually in downtown Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and features... Live music, merchandise from various vendors, food trucks, cosplay, speakers, and of course, you. <laughs> That's pretty good. Huh? Wow. <laughs> um, just FYI, uh, that the festival is held every third weekend in September, this uh, September 18th through 19th. Usually, well, that's the 2021 20, uh, dates. But uh, 17th or 18th for this year. So uh, hopefully, this episode will be out before. September, uh, you can make your plans to go visit Point Pleasant, West Virginia to go to this <laughs> festival. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because the festival is free, everyone. You can go and just walk in and 
Say hello to the metal fucking Mothman that they have yeah. there as opposed to a monument to all the dead people there. That's fine. for luck. <laughs> yep. Do exactly. they do I haven't seen the picture of the Mothman <laughs> that they have there, but do they have all the names of the dead underneath it? <laughs> On a plaque under it? Yeah. Uh, I tried to prevent the deaths. Not sure. Of- <laughs> 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 and no one listened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was the only way. Um, Daniel, do you have any more thoughts about this book? I mean, it's it's a pretty short read. It's a pretty quick read. Mm-hmm. Again, it's mainly different accounts. Uh, light on Mothman necessarily and a lot on Men in Black UFO encounters. Mm-hmm. And this hits all the points in the typical UFO lore. Uh, lost time, UFO abduction, lore, if you will. Uh, Pretty much every close encounter of the third, fourth kind. Yes. Yes. Great. Um, what other uh, UFO characteristics are there? Uh, as I said, lost times. Oh, uh, well, uh, there's the uh, yeah, electrical. Um, a current, like, disturbances? Right. Yeah, for uh, uh, equipment, the malfunction. Yeah, that did happen. Uh, um, also, like, uh, phone... Oh, always serious phone calls. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know if there was any like sort of a supernatural type of uh, um, poltergeist. There's nothing like that. Yeah, I mean, even though from- even though Keel talked to Art Bell about how there was reports of like poltergeist activity around the mm. events of the Point Pleasant uh, incident, but do you think I don't remember any of that? Being in the book. In the book, yeah. yeah. Oh, so, okay. So once again, it would have been cool to have, like, more of those eyewitness accounts of, of uh, experiences of high strangeness mm. hitting this fucking tome. Right. Like, hmm. But uh, maybe maybe that was the case for him, like, spreading out some of these books. Because, like, I don't know what the next books, a few books are about, but maybe that was him bringing some of that information. Because, I mean, why make one giant book that sells when you can make many that can sell multiple copies? Mm, that does uh, maybe he was a business businessman too. So <laughs> I mean, he was in the. I mean, I mean that's that's not too far fetched an idea considering how he was a basically a freelance writer to begin with yeah. before he got into and he was just going around, hopping his car, driving a thousand miles for some strange report yeah. for a random publication you know so maybe that that freelance spirit never got out of mm-hmm. his system where he's like i need to keep pumping out content mm. and you know it's funny because like i know in the book he this he says like it's like a thousand miles or something from new york to yeah point pleasant and he just, just acts like he car. just casually got in the car yeah and, and, like, just, like, and i was there like <laughs> next afternoon like it like, was just so it, yeah <laughs> it, it is it is wild he's just like oh as soon as I got back to New York, I'd get, you know, some messages about stuff going on in Point Pleasant. So I'd hop back in my car and go. And I was like, dude, I've driven a thousand miles. It sucks. So <laughs> was gas like five cents this whole time? Yeah, probably. Right. Oh, if that that expensive. Yeah. Like, <laughs> fuck. Could probably, and I mean, cars probably weren't that expensive back then either, I imagine. No. Right. Um, you know, he had an apartment in New York, but this is like the cost of a sure movie ticket well and a popcorn the, or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it goes. Rental prices just went stupid. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he was probably paying like 
$70 a month in <laughs> rent. And then <laughs> he pays it all in nickels and pennies. As he talks about his, his phone bill experience, be like $200 in a phone bill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, right? Because all these fucking uh, long distance phone calls. Yep. Um, that was a documentary about uh, the Mothman and like uh, the festival that occurs. And I mean, they pretty much embrace the whole Roswell, New Mexico kind of model. You know, like there's museums, there's festivals, there's uh, every store on the corner has something to do with the Mothman. Uh, I think at, I, I mentioned to talking to Bryce that at that point, you would think that it's just a novelty thing for everyone. That I don't know if anyone that goes to these festivals believe that the Mothman right. even actually exists. How dare you? Or even the whole Roswell incident, like... Besmirch the dead peoples really of Point Pleasant and their legacy. They have a fucking metal Mothman <laughs> in place of, like, people fucking who Obviously, they the have a sense bridge. of humor, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. what if it's just their take on what an angel looks like? <laughs> <laughs> it's just the most gruesome It's a biblically thing. accurate <laughs> depiction of an angel. How dare have, you? They have dark skin with red eyes. And you know the the MIB characters that well, they described in here get rabies, all had like you know? I don't know. oriental features. Yeah. Oh jeez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were pale skin with oriental features. And, right. and the only thing I can think of is what does that the mean? Eyes. <laughs> the eyes. They're very they're very no. Asian mm. characters. You but, know? but one thing that was kind of cool thinking about um <laughs> The descriptions of the MIB is that they, you know, all their clothing was like they were basically anachronisms, and the vehicles they were driving were also anachronisms. Like, um, but it, uh, but I was thinking about black-eyed kids having the same kind of oh. shit attributed to them as well. Um, so, did you? I, I don't yeah, know if you as far as how like they dressed and stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember this from the book, Daniel, but uh, I thought this was funny that. The men in black characters were driving a particular type of car, but then like John Keel was like, I guess outing the fact that they were these strange cars were coming, so they drove different cars after that. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just like, what? so it gets around that John Keel's like outing them the kind of cars that they have, so they go and get like a whole new model of car, <laughs> yeah. to right. fucking drive around in, so they don't look entirely suspicious. I'm for the new hotness guys. Um, old but now the shit. fact that they're walking around in all this like black attire, looking like really alien type because i mean they're obviously not from around here like you said like everybody knows everybody in that town and you can spot the car is that a fitted characters. suit <laughs> well uh, it, they're ill-fitted suits ill -fitted but they suits, are yeah. fitted right. yeah but i mean the book opens up with <laughs> the fact that, that like uh john keel is walking around in the rain looking yeah, for yeah he was the the devil of the back roads or whatever he called yeah. himself yeah because they, uh, because that's not a, what a hero would call themselves, obviously. Well, because um, a guy in a suit you know, yeah. and yeah. bearded was such a weird thing to see. So yeah. there was a, I don't know, he never followed up on it. But I thought but it was, it was, it was just the way he was dressed. He's a tall guy. He has a beard. Yeah. And it's dark. It's rainy. And he's but a stranger. That's how myths start. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, that's how they But that, that, with, with that themselves. opening, I feel that that kind I'll of set the tone for the book where there's, you can't really take into account someone's, you, you can't really like, uh, you can't really validate too much someone's account or take it as fact 
because yeah. they already have a biases in their own head. Yeah, sure. Because they're attributing uh, this word character that they've never seen before as like a devil figure walking around town mm -hmm. when it's just some mm -hmm. guy who wants to use a phone. He, yeah, he's, he's like getting lost and needs to use her fucking phone. Yeah. yeah. So there's a rumor going around already. That's how you said the myth starts. So what is it that someone saw that looked like the Mothman was just a big bird and then everyone just saw that big bird and everyone accounted that was the Mothman? Yeah, who so knows? getting into like back into like kind of the idea of mass, so mass hysteria. hysteria. Yeah. 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 So I guess it's... <clears throat> And open to is, interpretation about how you yeah, like, and take it is fascinating how in the Point Pleasant area, you know, like basically you just had that 13 month span where Mothman activity was yeah. popping off, and not before or since, as far as we we know. Um, mm -hmm. Well, uh, do you have any final thoughts? Mm, if you've got an afternoon or two free and want to check this out, I'd say read it. It is interesting, yeah. um, but I would say that. There's other works that are written around the same time, like stuff from Jacques Vallée that's um, more fleshed out in terms of the theory behind the phenomenon going on. And, you know, maybe Keel's other works, which I'd like to get into at some point, but it's not going to be anytime fucking soon. I got a whole <laughs> list of crazy I'm trying to get through yeah. already. But, you know, maybe some of these ideas get further articulated in other books that would then when going back and thinking in the context of what he wrote in the Mothman prophecies makes more sense. Mm -hmm. But um, I wouldn't suggest this as a jumping off point into getting into the strange for folks, <laughs> despite how popular this book is. Right. Like, I just don't think it's a, could watch the movie, I guess. And Super solid jumping off point into like whether you're interested in flying cryptids or UFOs or men in black. I think um, there's other folks that do a better job of this than this just, you know, uh, menagerie that he basically <laughs> constructed. I, there's a lot of cool beginner uh, introductions to... Uh, most uh, North American cryptids on, you know, on Reddit that you can find quite a bit. Fun stuff. Nothing, you, I mean, you're not going to learn a whole, whole lot. It's just a lot of, a lot of same, same things, but yeah, it's a good. I would imagine if resource. anyone has any uh, current accounts on uh, <laughs> a Mothman, it's basically the, the same. Yeah. <clears throat> I saw red eyes. They chased me. Mm -hmm. They flew away. Yeah. But and, and John Kill <laughs> brings this up, you know, and <laughs> talking to Art Bell about how, you know, folks will see the same sort of phenomenon and think it's new when right. it's not. Mm -hmm. And so, mm. so kind of like when you start getting into reading stuff on the paranormal or whatever, it's kind of another oh, this is case 372 of the same <laughs> sort of thing that's being reported. Day Which 700. Fine, you know, because that's just, because, you know, let's assuming that these are real accounts, then it's like, okay, the behavior is very set for these things. It's mm -hmm. just where and when is it popping off right. is interesting. More interesting about it, you know, particularly if you can tie it to 
a disaster, like with the Silver Bridge, you yeah. know, all this stuff culminated in this bridge collapsing and then that's it, you know. Is there more of this going on that's that's where the dots haven't been connected necessarily, you know, like mm-hmm. um, you know, in that Art Bell episode, there's apparently a, a flying bird uh, or a big flying creature associated with the 9-11 disaster. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I read somewhere that someone mentioned that, like, someone saw, like, a winged creature around the towers whenever yep. before they fell. So, I mean, there's that, too. Yeah, and so... But but I, let, let's just get it out there is that a lot of people said they saw, like, a fucking devil head in the smoke and shit like yeah. that. So, I mean, <laughs> there was a lot of things that people saw within that Well, you know, you could also tragedy. fold up a $20 bill or whatever <laughs> and see the towers <laughs> collapsing. Like, yeah. And then, yeah like, <laughs> they knew beforehand. It's all been planned. Uh, we'll, get it, we'll, we'll get into that whenever we get into that David Icke book, too. Oh, so. fuck, yeah. And it's such a good book. Like, it's just... It's just fascinating, you know, and and I can totally see how people would argue that Ike is anti-Semitic, but <laughs> no, 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 because like, because of because of what the link to the links he draws or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but if you actually read his book and. He sits there and says outright, he's like, I'm not anti-Semitic. It's just these are the patterns that <laughs> yeah. are, like, coming up. Like, he's I like, just... And, and see, like, he's, he's said that <laughs> multiple so times. So the research has led me. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's basically yeah. it. Like, that's like funny, this, this, these are the points that he's found whenever yeah. he's doing research. And it, it is always, I mean, it's he, always your fault of the Jews. What? What was that? What is it to say? <laughs> And George Bush, right? Let's be real. Boy right? um, yeah. Bush, as he calls him. <laughs> But that's a that's a whole other net, uh, egg of craziness to crack. Right. But but you know what what pisses me off is that there's folks that just read people bitching about David I calling him anti-Semitic that never read his books right, and they're right. just reading these reports oh. saying he's anti-Semitic. So they just don't Jumped even the... engage the right. The work don't look itself. at the works that he's yeah making yeah. Right. And it's just always oh, just you know it's got that you know just they that from... that. that Deflection shield already thrown up. Right. Well, yeah. well it's, 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 just like I brought up uh, earlier regarding this particular book, that uh, the way he described, like, whenever it says, "Oh, they had black skin, but they weren't." Yeah. Like this, or they have Oriental features. I mean, I don't think John Keel is a bigot or a racist or anything. That's just the way the no, terminology just the they used at the time. nomenclature of the fucking South, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> oh, they right. If it quacks yeah. like a duck, it's uh, it's Hitler. Gotcha. <laughs> Ah, well, um, I will uh, give a recommendation for this book as well. It is an entertaining book. It is a quick read if you want uh, just kind of uh, to dip your toe into the, I guess, the conspiracy or the myth of the Mothman and some other extra UFO lore as well. And remember, despite whatever he says, he's totally make himself out to be a hero in this fucking book. There's no question in my mind about it, you know. When this book was published, he was listening to David Bowie's Hero on (laughs) (laughs) on repeat, right? Uh, With that 8-track in his cassette or in his uh, car or whatever. All right. Uh, But yeah, so that'll be it for us, uh, The Valley Strange. Uh, We'll be having more episodes coming out. Uh, Again, we're going to be talking about the movie The Mothman Prophecies at some point uh, and we'll do a uh, kind of a comparison between the book and the movie. What was real or what was uh, the yeah, take been, from the book? I've been they, holding off to watch from watching Moth and Prophecies. Cause, cause, uh, I've seen it a few times. Yeah, well, as far as the movie is concerned, time, if you didn't know anything about this book as a standalone movie, fine. it would be a, a yeah. pretty decent yeah. movie. Um, 
but since you've read this, you're already going to go in with the critical mind of uh, mm-hmm. dissecting. The, well, that was from the book. Maybe he that speaks wasn't. the bullshits. Well, I mean, I'm also the Richard Gere sick kind of person that you know. I get mad at myself when I've watched a movie, and then found out it was a book after the fact. Yeah. Because oh. I'm the kind of the dude is like I like to read the book before checking out right. the flick. Um, well, well, I mean, just, just I just want you, you to hold on to the thought, <laughs> Daniel, that you said like. He doesn't. He says he's not a hero, but he is until you watch that movie, oh. and then you see all the heroic things he fucking. Does. Yeah, because you know that you know it's John Keel had to fucking you know in the, give his stamp of approval on the right, fucking right. flick. You know, yeah. the historical documents of uh, that is the movie. Uh, Honestly, I would have loved to have seen uh, John Keel in the screening of that movie with a huge smile on his face as Richard Gere is representing him. Oh, geez. No, actually, that would have been brilliant. You know, if there were like any, like, older folks that John Keel talked to in his investigations, mm-hmm. and then he plays uh-huh. that like yeah. hus- like farmer husband or minor husband dude yeah, as asshole he's being interviewed by John by Richard Gere. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe um, has a great, lot of a, that's a pretty good cast in the movie. So uh, we'll get that out to you as soon as we can. Uh, but I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Books of the Strange of the Mothman Prophecies. You know, usually our Books of the Strange go on for hours, hours. on end. Yeah. Uh, no, but we're trying to like, nice, uh, we're trying to get a little bit more uh, concise here with our uh, discussions here. Uh, we don't want to tell you the whole book because we want you to go read it. So go read John Kill's Mothman. I mean, if you can get a free copy of it, by any chance to do that too. Or use copy. John Kill's dead. He doesn't need the money. So. No, he's fine. It's going uh, straight to the CIA. And uh, as I normally do uh, in every episode, we forget to introduce everyone. Again, my name is Ray. I'm here with Daniel and Roland. Yes. And we are talking about the Mothman prophecies, and we will see you next time. Peace. Blue midges coming to my house. Hey, it's ridiculous. I had some kind of a rectal probe. Ridiculous. Ridiculous, ridiculous.